everyone in the world because God says, um, love your neighbor as yourself. By playing with them and by cuddling them. Basically helping everyone and just giving them opportunity to praise God and love Him and do everything that you can do. Well, good morning, church. It's our uh, fantastic, wonderful privilege to have Scott Pilgrim with us today. Come on up, Scott. I want to welcome you here, brother. A good Northreach welcome. Yeah. Good thing we're a forgiving church. You forgave me for coming from Melbourne. Well, Scott also is from Melbourne. <laughs> uh, he is the director kind of uh, the leader of our Baptist mission. And uh, I just want to say publicly, bro, that we, I am very, very thankful that God called you and is leading you to lead our mission. It is so much the better, and uh, we love your leadership. Welcome, brother. This pulpit is yours. Not sure what I should say any further, but let me pray. Lord God, we thank you. We thank you for gifting. We thank you for your Holy Spirit. We thank you for the gift of the Lord's table, the communion that we've been able to gather together and celebrate today. It reminds us of your faithfulness. And we thank you for Jenny's wonderful lead that you are a promise giver and a faithful follower through of promise. And uh, as we love or we seek to love our neighbor, uh, we want to pray that as Scott speaks, you have done the work in his life. He has a message, and I pray that hearts will receive and feet and hands will obey in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks, brother. Well, great to be with you today, and uh, thank you for the invitation. Uh, it was uh, delightful yesterday to spend... Uh, uh, the morning with uh, leaders from across the Northridge uh, Church here and we talked about mission in the, our changing world and you know, I, I was just struck by uh, the quality of the people in the room but also the heart and the passion uh, to serve Jesus which I know is so much a part of your DNA uh, with uh, Gary leading you and uh, the team. Um, I step into churches most weekends as a visitor and uh, you, you can make observations about church communities. And can I just say to you, uh, cherish what you have here. Uh, you're, uh, you're on a great journey as a church community, loving and serving the people of Townsville, and it's wonderful to be with you today. Uh, I'm regularly told by people you know well, like Tim and Mel Downs, that I'm in God's country today. Um, and uh, I've, uh, I've, I've made a delivery today. I had to bring back a, a bottle of... Uh, of special Malawi cordial for uh, young Mr. Downs, and that's in the foyer. It's been delivered all the way from Malawi to Melbourne and now to Townsville. But it's great to, uh, it's great to be with you. Can I encourage you that uh, there are only about half a dozen Baptist churches around the country that are multi-sending churches, that send multiple people with Baptist Mission Australia around the world, and you're one of them. And uh, so it's my privilege to be with you and to say thank you on behalf of Baptist Mission Australia, but we do it together. Local church, our called team members, who you love and pray and generously support, and our organisation. 
and we've been doing it together for 140 years. And so it's, uh, it's my privilege to be with you today as we open up God's Word. About three months ago, I, I was in a small, dusty, hot little town of Masangulu in Mozambique, about 100 kilometres from where Tim and Mel Downs uh, live uh, and our team in Mengochi. With the, the borders opening up and you know, travel opening up, I'm sure many of you have got places you, on your bucket list that you'd love to visit. I'm sure none of you have got Masangulu written down on that bucket list. It's a small village, it's dusty, there's only one bitumen main road that goes through the town uh, and it's home to uh, Yao people who live in uh, Mozambique and Malawi. Uh, Cam and Kath Beck, ordinary people uh, with the mission of God in, in their hands, with their kids uh, moved to uh, Mozambique to, to move into Masangulu from uh, Perth 10 years ago. Just picture the scene 10 years ago as Cam crosses the only main road in town to walk into a village to a people he doesn't know, with a language he doesn't know, the culture he doesn't know, the traditions he doesn't know. But why was he there? Because he felt called by God. He felt sent by the Son to model the heart of Jesus. He felt called to love his neighbour, and in this case, the neighbour being across the world. Fast forward 10 years and I sat with Cam in that village recently. And as you walk through the village, you get that fresh picture of what incarnation means for God to break into human history in, in the person of Jesus. And that you and I are called to be sent like Jesus into our communities, into your street, to your school, to your workplace, to your neighbourhood, to live and love and lead like Jesus. And there was Cam humbly walking around the village, smiling, laughing, taking some photos, talking to people, sitting in some deeper conversations, uh, walking down dusty paths, saying, Udi, Udi, which you yell out because there's no doorbells or fences, so you let people know that you're coming. And as I sat there with Cam, and the next day with Cam and Kath, I was struck by the difference that our heart for Jesus brings, whether we're in Melbourne, Townsville or Man, Gotchi or Masangulu. On the Saturday morning I was there, there was a town meeting. Australian Baptists have funded for water to be tapped from a mountain to come down the hill under the road into this village, the first time the, war, the, the, the town has had a, a, a source of water. And Australian Baptists have, have funded that water source. And soon there'll be 5,000 trees planted in that village with climate change and the need for, for, for shelter and shade with deforestation in the area. And I sat there and an old man got up. And at that time, Kath wasn't sitting next to me, so I didn't have a translator there. And he started to kind of make aeroplane type wings uh, with his hands. And later I got the translation. And he was saying, Scott, can you go back to Australia? And can you thank your Baptist people, even though I don't know who they are, can you go back and thank them? Because this is a pretty insignificant dot on a map in the world, and yet Australian Baptist people have come to love us and share the good news of Jesus. 
that man is one of the key Islamic leaders in that village. But he's been struck by the heart of Jesus, demonstrated through Kath and Cam. As he spoke, he got emotional. I wasn't what I couldn't understand the translation, but I was getting emotional. And we got up and we hugged in the middle of that village. A sense of partnership together that very much you as a church at Northreach are a part of in your generous support of our work around the world. We come to one of my favorite passages in the scriptures this morning. In Luke chapter 7, and I'm going to read to you from verse 11 to 16. We're going to continue in the series that you're journeying with of, of loving your neighbor. And today I want to talk about what does it simply mean for each one of us to model the heart of Jesus. That's what Cam and Kath were doing. He crosses the road. They cross the street. They move into that village and they model the heart of Jesus. Let's read together from Luke chapter 7 verse 11. Soon afterwards, Jesus went with his disciples to the village of Nain. A large crowd followed him. A funeral procession was coming out as he approached the village gate. The young man who had died was a widow, his only son, and a large crowd from the village was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart overflowed with compassion. Don't cry, he said. Then he walked over the coffin and touched it, and the bearers stopped. Young man, he said, I tell you, get up. And the dead boy sat up and began to talk. And Jesus gave him back to his mother. A great fear swept the crowd. And they praised God saying, A mighty prophet has risen among us. And God has visited his people today. And the news about Jesus spread throughout the whole countryside. Excuse me if I have to grab some water from time to time. I was telling the team here yesterday morning that I'm on some medication. I'm going in for some spinal surgery in a couple of weeks. And one of the side effects of that medication is a very dry mouth. And not a great thing for someone who speaks in front of people all the time. So excuse me if I go for some water. In this passage I just read, Luke really wants us to read this passage and the one that goes before it. And you might want to go home this week and read the first section of, of, Rome, of, uh, of Luke 7. Because Luke wants us to see something here. Uh, there's a crowd of people and they've just come from Capernaum. Uh, we read of this man of authority who's, uh, whose servant has been sick and been healed. And Jesus honours this, this man's faith. And this crowd kind of throng behind Jesus as he leaves Capernaum and as he walks to Nain. And in that crowd, there were the disciples, uh, as we've just heard over communion, still kind of scratching their head, trying to work out who this Jesus was. There were family and friends celebrating this miracle. Uh, there were the onlookers in the crowd kind of thinking, who is this man? There was a sense of exuberance and joy and hope in the crowd. You know, a little bit like uh, uh, where I've been staying in the Cowboys Stadium. You know, after the Cowboys win a game, they probably beat my team, the Newcastle Knights. And the Cowboy fans walk back into town with a sense of joy joy and exuberance. And then Luke wants us to see something in the blank space that we would have in our Bibles, in that white space, because here is this joyful crowd and suddenly they meet a funeral procession. The two crowds connect. Here is a woman who has lost her husband and now lost her only son. In the culture of that day, if you want to paint a picture 
of devastation of one who is most on the margins, here is a picture in that woman. I think Luke wants us to deliberately see that story. And maybe you need to hear that story today to remind yourself if you feel that you're on the margins or excluded, here is a God who breaks into human history with love and grace for you. Here's the crowd full of joy. And here's the crowd mourning and crying. And the two crowds meet. And Luke wants to remind us that where do we find Jesus in this story? We find him front and center. We find him at the intersection of life. We find him at the mountaintop in life and we find him in the, in the deepest and darkest valleys and in between in the mundane and the ordinary and times that are extraordinary. Here is Jesus in the midst of life. And here is Jesus for us today in Townsville in the midst of life, whether you feel you're on the mountaintop, on the valley or somewhere in between. And then we get this wonderful template, this wonderful picture of what it means for you and I to model the heart of Jesus. We were talking yesterday uh, in the uh, leadership gathering about something that I think is so important for us to grasp afresh or for the first time we think about mission. I'm not going to ask you to put your hand up or tick a box or fill out a survey, but I'm sure when some of you here today hear the word evangelism or discipleship, or mission, or outreach, something happens inside you that makes you feel uncomfortable from kind of previous experiences of what does that mean? You know, Scott, I'm not that kind of person, or I'm not gifted that way. And I think one of the greatest works the Holy Spirit wants to do in Australia today in transforming our churches is to remind us that it's not about me or it's not about you. It's about the reality that God is already at work in Townsville. God doesn't need Gary or Northreach Baptist Church, but he chooses in his love and his glory and his wisdom to use ordinary people like you and me, broken people, to be his hands and feet. God was already at work in Masangulu before Baptist Mission Australia arrived. I was in Thailand recently and I was in a village and I met some people where there'd been no Western mission workers and these local people had come to know Jesus as the Holy Spirit had worked in that community. God is already at work. And maybe today you just need to take hold of that and take the weight that might at times push you down and think that you have nothing to offer when it comes to mission. God is a God of mission. And he graciously invites you and I to join him in the neighborhood, here and through this city, and across Queensland. And it begins as we open our eyes and we see people that God places into our worlds. Look at this story. I love this verse. Luke 7. Jesus saw the woman. A funeral procession was coming out as he approached the village gate. The young man who had died was a widow's only son, and a large crowd from the village was with her. There was this large crowd. But then this one line, then the Lord saw her. The God of creation, the sovereign God of all history and eternity, who breaks into humanity in the person of Jesus, grace with a human face, looks at one devastated and desperate woman and he sees her. 
I got up this morning and I looked in the mirror and I thought to myself, well, it doesn't get any better than that, Scott. But I'm also reminded every morning I get up and I look in the mirror that I am lavishly loved by my Father God, that I'm a child of God, that I have a story of, of brokenness and mess and I still have insecurities, inadequacies and fears and yet strengths and hopes and aspirations and dreams and I remind myself that God sees me. And maybe today that... Uh, Revelation from Scripture by the Holy Spirit is a reminder for you this morning that God sees you and you are not alone. But then more than that, God then esteems us and he sends us out into this community, into your street, into your neighbourhood, into your workplace, that we might open our eyes and we might see others around us. Old pastor, mentor, friend of mine many years ago says, said to me, Scott, you haven't got to look hard to find brokenness. Just open your eyes. And what do we see in this passage? What does it mean when we think about modeling the heart of Jesus? The first thing is we see people like Jesus sees them. We open our eyes and we see people. If we hold to that truth that God is already at work in this community, then God will put people of peace into our lives. And I'm sure if we pause now and you took five minutes and you thought and you prayed, you would see people of peace that God already has in your world. The person at the gym who, who, who rides that bike next to you and says hello. The, the, the neighbour down the street who seems somewhat open to hearing about the good news and thinks that though you're a Christian, you're a normal kind of person. The person at university who you've got to know, the, uh, the work colleague, the asylum seeker, the refugee who you're aware of, that God places people into our lives intentionally that we might open our eyes and see them. In Southeast Asia today, where Baptist Mission Australia works in a, uh, a country where there is one of the largest Islamic populations in the world. We run an English institute. It's grown to be on four islands in that country in Southeast Asia that I don't name for security reasons. And in that place today, we are seeing so many women and men come to know Christ. The English Institute started with a vision from Kaz 10 years ago. And she wanted to create an English training school that not only would teach people English and share the good news, but would also provide employment to people. She'd lived in that part of the world for more than a decade. She'd met many people. She'd seen the crowds. But there was this one woman that she just couldn't get out of her mind. And it seemed like the Holy Spirit kept bringing her into contact with Alice. It seemed like the Holy Spirit was revealing to her that Alice was that person of peace. A normal, everyday friendship developed. Language barriers were broken down. Cultural barriers were broken down. Traditional and tradition and religious barriers were broken down. Two women from very different worlds began an ordinary friendship. And it didn't take long before Carol was able to offer Alice the role as the first employee in that English institute. Today, there are more than 100 employees in that institute, and Alice leads that team. 
Alice has come to know Jesus. She's a, she's a disciple maker. She, she's multiplying disciples across that country where so few people know Jesus in a way that makes sense to them. And it began when Kaz opened her eyes like Jesus. Who, who might be in your world today that Jesus is inviting you to love your neighbour, to love your neighbour as Jesus loves us? So Jesus sees the woman in this passage. But there's more than that. He sees the woman, and then we get this verse that Jesus had compassion upon her. It's a nice, neat kind of translation, because we probably don't like to pick up our Bible and read the real Greek translation, which was Jesus' kind of guts and bowels moved within him. But that's what the Greek translation is. Jesus saw this woman and his compassion was, was so deep and so real uh, that his heart was broken for this broken woman. It's one thing to see, isn't it? It's another thing to have our heart broken for the things that break the heart of God. We can read statistics, for example, about refugees or stories about refugees, but it's not until the Holy Spirit breaks our heart that we move into action like my wife, humbly and regularly coming alongside refugees and asylum seekers in Melbourne as part of a mum's refugee group. We've got to have our hearts broken. And it may be today if we're honest with ourselves, as the Holy Spirit is at work in our lives, it may be that we can be honest enough to say, God, my, my heart's been hardened. I'm so focused on my own circumstances. I'm so focused on my own needs. And I don't in any way want to underplay what they might be in your life today. But we can become so absorbed in our own world, a world that today is so full of information, a world that beckons us to pursue materialism and consumerism, a world that post-pandemic is, is kind of chaotic and, and a little crazy, and we can become so consumed in that world, we can lose sight of others. And I know in my own journey that my heart can become hardened, and I lose sight of the things that break the heart of God. Jesus sees the woman. But Jesus feels for the woman. His heart is broken. You support uh, Ben and Petra on the Silk Road and their, and their kids. And we're so thankful for your support of this amazing, inspiring young couple. You know, when you think about someone who sees with the eyes of Jesus and his heart is then moved with the heart of Jesus, you think about Petra is seeking to do in bringing hope and change and transformation in a culture, a shame culture, where children with disabilities are pushed to the side and ostracised historically. I got a 10-year-old son who has a disability. He lives with that every day. And some days it heavily weighs him down as we seek to build up his esteem and love him. He gets support from the NDIS He's got a great bunch of mates at school. He's loved and nurtured and we don't look upon him as a child with a disability. But if he lived on the Silk Road, his story may be very different. And there is Petra from Townsville, supported by Northridge, on the front line in that culture, learning the language, finding people of peace, 
seeing opportunities, her heart broken that there might be a different way for these children and their families in the name of Jesus. And as you're probably aware, we see God opening amazing doors for her. A humble and a courageous young woman who knows what it is to see, but have a heart broken by the things that break the heart of God. I kind of feel it's a watch this space story to see what God does with Ben and Petra on the Silk Road. Jesus sees, Jesus feels, and then Jesus acts. Imagine being there that day. There's the exuberant crowd and there's the, there's the, the mourning and painful crowd and then Jesus looks at the woman and there's a brief conversation that most wouldn't have probably heard and then suddenly Jesus goes over to the coffin and he touches the coffin and the young man comes back to life. I don't know about you, Pastor Gary, but I do a number of funerals and I've never touched a coffin and the person's come back to life. If they had, I reckon I'd be doing a lot of funerals. So what does Luke want us to see here? Yes, we believe in a, 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 a way maker, miracle making God. Yes, we see Jesus constantly performing miracles. But what does Luke want us to see today? What did Luke want people to see then? But what does he want us to see today, 2,000 years on from this episode, this Jesus event? Earl Ellis who writes uh, uh, as a New Testament commentator, I think helps us by saying that Luke wants us to see a picture here of the kingdom now and the kingdom not yet. You saw plans up on a screen today of, of you know, your, your outdoor area now and then transformed what it will look like. And it's like Luke wants to kind of open the window to say, this is the kingdom now. Here is Jesus with, who's come with grace and forgiveness and freedom and power. One who can touch the coffin and bring the dead back to life. And yet we live in that kingdom now where there still is suffering and pain. And people still get terminal illness diagnosis and marriages still break down and people are still subject to abuse and racism and can be disunity in the body and all the things that we long to be different. And it's like Luke is saying, here is the world as it is, but here is the world as it could be. And here's the part for us to grab hold of fresh today. God uses ordinary people like me God uses people like me in my own brokenness while he's still putting me back together, as he's still putting you back together. He uses us, Northridge community, that we might go out into this suburb, into this community, into this city, into this world this week and pursue shalom. That we might be people who pursue the vision of the kingdom not yet. That when we see someone suffering from domestic violence or abuse, we say, that is not how it should be. And we become a voice and an advocate. We see someone experiencing racism and we say, that is not how it should be. And we stand by that person. We see someone struggling with health and illness and we long for that day when it won't be. But in the meantime, we become the hands and feet of Jesus. We see someone going through a relationship breakdown and the torture and the nightmare of that and we recognise there'll be a day when in the kingdom not yet that will not be the case but we come with grace and love 
and affirming affirmation and we stand alongside that person. We become people who pursue shalom. You might have watched TV shows or movies and you see someone mention that word shalom, that Jewish word shalom, peace to each other, but it's a much deeper and richer word than that. Shalom means to be right with God, to be right with others, to be right with our world. It means hope and righteousness and peace and joy and love and grace and heart. It's such an incredibly wonderful world that it's almost impossible to define. But put simply, it's you and I taking the heart of Jesus to this city. It's Jesus taking, it's us taking the heart of Jesus to Mangotchi where Tim and Mella. It's us taking the good news and the heart of Jesus to Masangulu where Cam and Katha. Jesus sees, he feels, and he acts. One of the joyful things for me recently in Africa was to be with Tim and Mel, who is so much a part of your family, and to be with them as uh, on a building site. You might have seen photos. On a building site where a new preschool is being built and there will be a, a riverside coffee shop where some Queensland baristas are going to go over to, uh, to Malawi next year and teach people you know, how to make a, a long black and a uh, soy latte. You probably don't drink soy lattes in Townsville. you know. Um, but this beautiful picture, Tim and Mill in Malawi, who for years have seen and who have felt. But of course, it's one thing to see, it's one thing to feel, but who act. And to see pictures the other day of that preschool open, five Yao women, five Yao women from rural villages who had a vision that they might be able to establish a, a preschool, that they might be able to, to be people of kind of dignity and give back to their community and, and, and develop a, a ministry that was financially self-sustainable. And Tim and Mel become the cheer squad and that preschool now opened and to see the teachers' faces light up with dignity and esteem and to see that preschool generating income that goes back into rural villages to help other kids and to recognise you've been part of that story. But it only is possible because a couple like Tim and Mel saw and felt and acted. And they'd be the first to say they're pretty ordinary people but doing extraordinary things. What's it mean to love our neighbour? It means to be sent like the sun. It means to open our eyes afresh and see people in our world and to remind yourself today that no one in this room is excluded or disqualified, that everyone gets to play, that every one of us, despite our brokenness, as God is at work in our lives, he invites us graciously to embrace mission. And it may be today is a day where you want to make a new and a fresh commitment to be the hands and feet of Jesus as you love people in this city. But he calls us beyond seeing. He calls us to have our heart broken. And maybe today we need to take our eyes off our own circumstances and renew that commitment and, and pray that beautiful prayer that, that uh, Bob Pierce prayed in Founding World Vision, God, might my heart be broken by the things that break the heart of God. And it may be today that God is calling you to have the courage to act. 
to have that conversation with the neighbour, to come and talk to Pastor Gary about that crazy ministry dream that God has put on your heart, to see that need around you and realise, I can actually make a difference. I can do something there in the name of Jesus. To be a person of bold faith and to trust God and to expect that he will be at work in your life. God is already at work in Townsville. God is already at work around our worlds. And he graciously invites us to join him. That we might see with the eyes of Jesus. That we might feel with the heart of Jesus. And that we might act. I shared this word and I'll share as I finish today. A Dutch theologian by the name of Johan Hockenick says, We are called to be shalomatizers of the world. There you go, put that into a sentence this week. He says that we are called to take God's shalom and to spread it through lives in the community. The privilege of ours to be shalomatizers in our beautiful and broken world as the hands and feet of Jesus. Can we pray and as we do that, can the team come and join us on the platform? I'm just going to ask the team just to play and I'm going to pray I know our time's nearly up. There are kids to pick up. But can we just pray together and allow the Holy Spirit to speak into our hearts and our lives this morning? Father God, I want to thank you for this church community. I want to thank you for their love of you, their heart for you, their heart for this community, but also their heart for the state and the world. Thank you for their rich partnership with us at Baptist Mission Australia. But right now, Lord, I just pray in the quietness of the morning and as the team plays, I just pray that you might still our hearts, still our minds. Having come from communion, that we might examine our lives afresh. And it may be this morning that this morning there's an opportunity to recommit our lives in being a part of this church, in saying that, God, I want you to use me to love this city, to love this community, to be your hands and feet. And maybe you're here today and you felt disqualified or excluded, but today you're reminded that you have a part to play no matter who you are. No one is ever insignificant in the kingdom of God. It may be here today and you become focused on your own circumstances, your own needs. And today you want to open your heart afresh and say, God, use me. Use me. Or you may have God stirring your heart, a a vision for ministry, a a call to overseas service, a call to ministry, a a crazy dream that you'd love to see birthed in Townsville. And maybe today is the day to say, God, here I am. Send me. So with our eyes closed and our heads bowed as we finish today, I'm just going to invite you to stand really quickly where you are. Can I invite you to stand right now? If today's a day where you want to make a recommitment to being the hands and feet of Jesus, can you do that right now? Thank you. Father God, for everyone who is standing, I pray that your Holy Spirit might come with refreshment today and renewal. People of different ages and backgrounds and stages of life standing across this auditorium. Father, use them. 
Fill them afresh and send them from this place with humility but boldness and a passionate faith to be your people. Remind them how much you love them. And may together we step out to model the heart of Jesus. And as we conclude this morning, can I invite you with so many people standing, can I invite you to talk to a friend, one of the elders, one of the pastors, come and chat if you want someone to pray with in the service. But make today a day of recommitment and rededication to embrace God's mission and love this city. In Jesus' name, amen.